Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So what would you do if you were a single mother of a two-year-old living in San Francisco who did not have a steady job? You needed childcare to get a job, but then you would need money from a job to afford childcare. It is a cruel cycle that many mothers cannot free themselves of, but it's also the crux of this case that I'm about to share with you today, in which a mother desperately asked new friends to babysit her daughter. So grab your advice of choice. I will be knitting in my mind and join me as we cover the case of where is Ariana Fitz? Today on the show, I have Andrea Cole and Allison Yates, who are behind the revolutionary app Nitrino, that is a pattern database, knitting chart reader, and knitting technique resource all in one, and much more. Probably less something out. So thank you, girls, for being on the show with me. I called you girls. It's not 1950s, but yay! We like the retro vibe. It's okay. I like the retro fashion. I do not want to be there. But let's get on with the case. In 2016, two-year-old Ariana Fitz lived with her 32-year-old mother, Nicole Fitz, in San Francisco, California. So life was just tough for Nicole. But she was very dedicated to being a mother. And there were times in which Nicole had to resort to staying in a shelter. But when she would stay in a shelter, she would send Ariana to live with her father in Southern California until she was able to find a steady place. And I just find that really admirable because as a mother, you don't want to be separated from your child. But she kept trying to give her child more than what she had. And this is going to be a thing that we're going to see over and over again uh, during this case. But the last time that Nicole stayed at the shelter, she met a street pastor named Lemazani Briggs who took an interest in Nicole and invited her and Ariana to stay with her at her home. To Nicole, this had to be like a dream come true because then she'll get to be reunited with her daughter again and have a steady place to live. And so Nicole agreed and she actually was going to pay Lemazani rent in return once she got a job. So being a single mom, Nicole had to work double shifts at her local Best Buy just to support her daughter. And with Ariana only being two, this created a problem of finding childcare. So for my listeners who do not live in the U.S., childcare here is extremely expensive, especially if you live in a major city or a major metropolitan area, just like Nicole, who lived in San Francisco, where childcare can average around 2459 dollars a month so almost three thousand dollars guys if you include diapers and like child care is expensive and the things you need for child care and then you're paying the bill for child care and this tallies up to twenty nine thousand a year just a little over twenty nine thousand a year i i had a friend who uh actually she needed to work after her daughter was born like just for mental clarity 
and um, and she really loved her job and she wanted to go back. She actually childcare cost her more than her income, so she actually took a loss just to be able to go to work. It's outrageous. Yes, because okay, so that's about twenty nine thousand five hundred eight dollars a year for childcare. Nicole works at Best Buy, and most people at Best Buy make about fourteen dollars an hour, and that's being kind of generous if you've been working there for a while. She was not, and that totals to thirty thousand dollars a year. Okay, so you will be taking a loss. That's all I think before taxes. Yeah, pre tax. Yep. Yeah, knock knock off 30%. So yeah, you will be taking a loss. So Nicole asked her new friend, Lemasani, to babysit Ariana for a smaller fee. Which scares me because as someone who worked in childcare for a few years and loved it, and who's a mother, I can't imagine she just met Lemasani at a shelter who was, I'm assuming, preaching at the shelter. But Lemasani agreed. And after agreeing to the childcare, the two women just did not get along anymore, which is awful. Lemasani refused to give Nicole a key to the house that she was allowing Nicole to live in. Oh, that's so awful. But it gets worse. Lemasani would snoop in Nicole's room and read her private diary. I, who knows that? That's, that's like psycho. That's like really mean girl behavior too. I don't understand that. And then Lemazani would send angry texts to Nicole. I don't know what was in these texts. If, if Nicole was spent, was sending spicy texts too, I could not get information because a lot of this is coming from Nicole's loved ones. So just keep that in mind. But there were angry texts being sent from Limasani. All of these things together made Nicole feel unsafe in her current living situation. And so with the help of her sister and her sister's friend, Nicole and Ariana moved out of Limasani's home and they began to live with her sister. So Nicole moved in with her sister temporarily. So they pretty much had to help Nicole escape because Nicole does not have a car at this point, by the way. Like, I can't imagine living actually in a house with someone I didn't feel safe with. Well, and and I don't know where this is going, but I'm dreading the outcome of this. But I will say, I instantly thought of, are you familiar with the Relisha Rudd case? Yeah, we, we did an episode. It just makes me think of that, right? It's like, it's it's being on, it's, it's eviction, really, right? The, in that case, the family was evicted and they had nowhere to go and they have four little kids. Nobody can take in a family with four little kids unless they're really wealthy. And of course, this family had no wealth. And, and they... You know, it's that same kind of spiral of of poverty, of eviction, of homelessness. Ugh, I hate it. And it's really hard to get out of it. But more issues arose from this change. The Best Buy that Nicole worked at was now two hours away from her new home that she shared with her sister. This meant a long commute. And she has no car. Yes, a long commute on public transport. So that would be two hours on public transport both ways. So four hours total. And she still couldn't afford childcare. Does she knit though? Because if she knits, okay, I was looking for the silver lining. Never mind. (laughs) 
There wasn't one. The silver lining was she still worked at Best Buy. So luckily, Nicole seems to be a really, really kind woman because everyone says she's really nice. But she, and she's made friends with two sisters, Ciolo Hearn and Helena Martin, who also happened to be Lemasani's nieces. And she also befriended Helena's husband, Devin Martin. So this trio lived very close to Nicole and they seemed to really enjoy taking care of Ariana. And as caregivers, they really seemed to love her and they lived close to Nicole. And so it was really easy for Nicole to drop her off in the mornings. And this must have felt like a godsend for Nicole because she desperately needed childcare in order to keep her job at Best Buy. And she still did not have a solid living situation. So Nicole would leave Ariana to stay with her babysitters overnight with the idea that she didn't want to wake up or disturb the toddler's sleep after she got off of work at like 10 o'clock and then she'll be home by like midnight. Side note, as a toddler mom myself, this is very important because a literal feather can disrupt their sleep schedule. And then sorry not to anything and everything you ever had to do that day because your child will be mad and like just nothing would be able to get done. So I completely understand her wanting to leave Ariana with the babysitters so not to disrupt her sleep schedule because kids and their sleep schedules are wild. So despite finding a good solution to the childcare problem, Nicole still had a problem of her long commute and unsteady living conditions. Then she just keeps making friends. She makes a friend out of a coworker at Best Buy who invited Nicole and her daughter Ariana to move in with them. And Nicole felt that this move would help her small family as it would allow her to work close to her home and to live with her daughter and spend more time with her daughter because she won't have to spend that two hours on public transport, which is, as a lot of us know, is exhausting in itself. But when Nicole broke the news to Ciolo and Helena, who were the babysitters, remember? Their reaction was not what you would expect it to be. So we are going to leave the story there. And now we are going to have a knitter mission. Oh, cliffhanger. No, I needed a break. I have to, I'll recover a little So what did you guys do before starting Neutrino? I was a teacher. I taught high school, uh, AP Bio, AP Stats. And I just began knitting like crazy one year because I was going through a lot. And eventually I started publishing patterns and got in some magazines. And that was me. And I'm just like that really like take the safe job kind of person and take the job that doesn't pay you very much. She That's what she does. She's all about the the... You know, she does a really good job of staying true to her values in all things. Like, she gets so much joy out of teaching high school kids. Even though it's crappy pay, she was teacher of the year for her school and her district. Like, this is somebody who gives it her all. So I'm just going to say that for her. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. And then I 
I, yes, I was very different. My background is in um, physics and I spent most of my career in optics and lasers. I was building, designing and building lasers for a long time. And then I was, I got into, I was on the executive team of an engineering software company and I was there for a long time and really felt like, okay, I'm ready to do something new and I really want to build something from the ground up. And at the time, so this was in 2018, I was thinking about leaving and I didn't know what I was going to do next. Andrea and I always love to brainstorm business ideas though. We've all, we've done that for ages and we kept coming back to knitting because she would tell me all the things that drove her crazy about knitting patterns and about the industry. And, and I was not a knitter. So I brought a different perspective. You know, I had this usability background in terms of, of software. And so, so I just couldn't believe that there hadn't been more innovation for knitting patterns. And, and that's kind of how the idea started. And we just started, we spent the first nine months really just talking to, to knitters and designers and indie dyers to find out what they were doing and, you know, what their processes were like, what, and listening for those little things that they're doing that are kind of hacks that they don't even realize are hacks. And, and so we, we did that before we ever built a line of code. It's just really cool to see how like diverse the knitting industry is because it's just like once you start asking people, okay, what did you do before this? It's never knitting or it's almost never like designing. I feel like I'm the only person that grew up wanting to design. So many of y'all are like lawyers and doctors. And I saw someone on Ravelry who studied mushrooms. I don't even know what fungi something, mycologist. I don't know what it's called. Allison, help me. You're sciencey. Huh? No, she's a biologist. So yeah, my, Andrew, Andrew is the biologist. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't pronounce words good, but it's, it, it's a my salt, my M-Y-C-O something. <laughs> Mushrooms are amazing. I love to eat them. I don't know too much about how they grow, but they're delicious. But, but like what I love about that though, is that it just shows like how knitting, like the math and knitting, the design, the artsy, it just brings together so many different types of people with different types of backgrounds. Like I never heard of a mushroom person. I can't even say it anymore, but I learned about it through knitting and Ravelry. And it's just really cool to see everyone's like background. So that's really cool. And that's why I asked because you guys already told me this in the past, but I wanted listeners to know because it is rad. And so here you guys are came both came from like sciencey teaching backgrounds but how did you begin in starting an app because I I wouldn't know where to begin and I worked on an app before I I, I wouldn't have known where to begin Allison knew how to do things well so you know I I'm a firm believer in just asking questions like that that's how we discover anything and so um that was our first step was just to go to where knitters are and talk to them Let's just ask them questions. We started online just to kind of form a really rough picture and did a lot of really casual interviews. And, and then, you know, from that, we were able to just mock things up and bounce them off people. We had a really dedicated group that we accumulated of, of what we called our alpha testers, even though we didn't even have an app yet. Like I would build these prototypes that you could actually knit from. You could open it on your phone and knit from it. And it, it 
gave us the ability to really kind of hone how people were knitting, how they were using the things we were building and what they needed that we didn't have. And so it's, it's really that iterative, oh, well, would this work? No, that's not what I meant. I mean this. And, and that, and that really, I think, I mean, I hope that when people try Neutrino, they can tell that it, it really focuses on those core things that you need, but it is 100% driven from user feedback. Like every, everything we build is based on what users want. And one of, one of the reviews that someone left said, you can tell that this app was developed by knitters. Like that was such a huge compliment when I read it. So I've used your app many times. I think I've been using it for about a year now. I don't get to knit for myself as much as I would like. Okay. But what I like about Knittrino though, is just that like, it's not just there with your charts, but I like that you can also look up different patterns that have been tested to work with the app. So everything that's available on your application is designed to be there, like all the patterns and everything just fits in perfectly. It's like a chef's kiss, like everything works and everything's been tested. So I really appreciate that. So when I do get to knit for myself, I know I'm working from a tested pattern and using a software that you know, has been tested over and over again. So thank you. <laughs> Hopefully I get to knit for myself soon. We should mention that one of our favorite designs and our best-selling designs is yours, your Venus cowl. So for those who don't know, that's my pattern that I wrote when I was very pregnant. She was very pregnant. And the, the model that we use is that we work with independent designers like you and, and pay you for your design up front. Then we build that pattern on the back end. We spend a lot of time building that pattern so that it, it can be used in Neutrino. So there's no ability to import patterns. Like every pattern we offer is only available in Neutrino and and is built by us. So so that's why the the seamless integration that you were talking about, it's that it's by design, right? So yeah. And if you're just listening, I'll put the picture of it in the show notes. But I have one more question that is kind of like pointless. I'm sorry, but is it a party working with your sister all the time? Because I've never had a sister because I have a brother and we only there's only two of us. So I've had to adopt sisters and my sister-in-laws and things like that. So is it a party? Because I imagine that it'll be a party a lot of the times. And how do you get work done? So it's crazy. We did not get along at all growing up. We fought. I'm really emotional. I'm hard to live with. I know. And Allison is very objective. And she wasn't necessarily, as a teenager, I, I remember there was a time someone pulled, someone pulled someone's hair one time. And it was probably me. But... But anyway, it's so funny. Like our parents were shocked. They were like, are you guys sure you should go into business with each other? And we get along so well now. This this company has brought us a lot closer in, in my heart anyway. Like I know I could turn to Allison for anything. She's got me through a lot the last few months. And I know she'd do anything for me. But when we work, we are like, we are so driven to get this done because this is our, this is our livelihood. Like if we are not working countless, we work at least 70 hours a week. Don't you think? Yeah. I think usually it's probably around 80. Uh, if, you know, we typically work every day, we work 12 to 16 hours a day and, and, you know, we're the only people 
in this company. And so we have invested our life savings to bring it to life. And then we've invested all of our time. We've foregone salaries and, and we're living like college students. Actually, it's really funny. I, I have some miserly tendencies anyway, and this has not helped. <laughs> I told my boyfriend we have to stop drinking because I can't afford the booze. <laughs> anyway, it's, but it's, it's fun. You know, it's, we really believe in the vision. We believe, you know, cause we're not done. That's the thing. I, I think people sometimes expect Nitrino to be a totally finished project product with, you know, 10,000 patterns. And we're just not, we're so small and, and still growing. And we have this whole roadmap of things that we want to build and things that will blow your mind. I will tell you, they blow my mind and I cannot wait. Before we end this knitter mission, I just want everyone to know uh, who's listening that anything we talked about or any knits that we reference will be in the show notes. So just keep an eye out for that in case you're listening and not watching. But let's see what happens when Nicole tells her babysitters that she is moving two hours away. So we left off with Nicole telling her babysitters, Cialo and Helena, that she would be moving away with Ariana. So that way she would be closer to her job. And now away is only two hours. So it's not that far. Though you would think that Ciolo and Helena would be happy for Nicole. They were in fact the opposite. The sisters were furious. They were attached to Ariana and they didn't want to give her up or didn't want her to move away. And so the sisters barred Nicole from seeing her daughter. So what happened was that Nicole stayed with her roommate who was living close to Best Buy first. So she moved herself in first. So that way she could go get her daughter, everything settled, things like that. But when she went to go get her, they said no. And for some reason, Nicole just kind of left it at that. I don't understand what happened here. A lot of this information is coming from Nicole's loved ones. So it's very just like one, one-sided, just to say it bluntly. So, but from what I can gather, Nicole just didn't know what to do. And for some reason, she wasn't keen on getting the police involved, which isn't unusual for someone who lives, you know, below the poverty line in a metropolitan area who is African-American and who doesn't have a steady job and she might be worried that maybe like CPS would get involved or something. This is all just guessing here. So this is gonna sound bad, but for six weeks, Ariana lived with Ciola and Helena and her husband, Devin, after Nicole already started living with the co-worker. And they just went on as if Nicole didn't even exist and even took Ariana to Disneyland. So they're pretty much treating her like they like she is their daughter. And Nicole is just a couple hours away trying to work and support, but she's just trying to work through this without police intervention. But apparently it was this trip to Disneyland that really made Nicole 
angry. And though her friends were telling her to go to the police, she decided to take matters in her own hands. Her friend and roommate, Goyette Williams, says that after seeing photos of Ariana on Facebook, Nicole stated, okay, April 3rd, I want my daughter. I'm coming to get her. She's coming to live with me. End of story. End quote. So on April 1st, Nicole withdrew $600 in cash from an ATM, saying to Goyette, her friend and roommate, that she has to run an errand. So she tells Goyette that her babysitter just told her that she was upset. And Nicole was concerned about the babysitter who was upset, who took her daughter. Nicole agrees to meet the babysitter at a restaurant after her shift at Best Buy. And she reassures Goyette that it will only take five minutes. So this meeting would only take five minutes before heading to the restaurant on foot. However, Goyette didn't hear from Nicole until 12.45 a.m. that night when she got a weird text from Nicole saying that she was on her way to Fresno with Sam. But Goyette doesn't know who Sam is, never heard of her, despite the fact that she lives with Nicole. And she did not understand how Nicole would get to Fresno could be no, now she doesn't have a car and it's the middle of the night. So Goyette just waits for Nicole to come back. But by April 5th, four days later, there was no sight of Nicole or even Ariana. And at this point, concern, Nicole's family filed a missing persons for report for both Nicole and Ariana. There's not a lot of information going on from what happened here to what happens next in the story, which is on April 8th, a gardener for John McLaren Park found a large worn plank of wood with a strange silver character on it. And it's sitting behind a patch of ivy covered bushes. And next to this plank of weird wood, he found the body of a woman in fetal position resting in a shallow grave. And it seems as if at one point, the wood was used to conceal her body. And police were able to quickly identify the body as Nicole Fitz. And they have yet to release her cause of death, but they are classifying it as homicide. So at this moment, police realize that the race was on to find the still missing Ariana. Because now they know for sure there is something wrong because I wonder if they just weren't sure at first because with uh, Nicole's transient lifestyle, you know, but now that they found her body, it was on to find Ariana and police decided to set their sights on Ariana's babysitters. Helena, Ciolo, and Devin. And police found that Helena actually served six years in prison in 2001 for murdering the father of her child. Side note, I tried to find more about this because six years is nothing for a murder charge and I wanted to know if there was lack of evidence or abuse or something because like what happened there. But upon finding this news, police were sure that the three babysitters had something to do with Ariana's disappearance and possibly even Nicole's murder. So police questioned Helena, 
or Helena, Ciolo, and Devin, but they just refused to cooperate. And when they would cooperate, they would provide inconsistent stories and statements. Helena's attorney had been quoted as saying, we should not assume that they, I'm assuming the babysitters by they, were the last ones to see Ariana. And police searched several homes in the area while family of Ariana and Nicole searched the neighborhood on foot. Um, so everyone was searching for this girl and both searches came up empty. About one year later, so Ariana is still missing, the police sees a vehicle that may have been used in the murder of Nicole and in the disappearance of Ariana. They hope that DNA evidence collected from the vehicle would help shed light on this case. And results of that DNA test has not been made public yet. So as of the recording of this podcast, it has been five years since the disappearance of Ariana Fitz. Her family is staying hopeful that she is still out there under someone's care. And family and friends of Nicole speculate that somebody wanted to raise Ariana as their own child. But there just isn't enough evidence. And police are not saying why they believe this, but they think Ariana is still in the state of California somewhere. Still, though, it's been five years. And believe it or not, the FBI is still working diligently on this case. On their official podcast inside the FBI, Scott Shelby, the assistant special agent in charge of the FBI's San Francisco field office, states, we do not look at Ariana's disappearance as a cold case or as a case that is put onto a back burner. This is a case we are actively looking at, and it's going to remain an active case until we are able to resolve it, end quote. So currently, Nicole's former employer, Best Buy, is offering $10,000 in reward money for direct information assisting in locating Ariana Fitz or any indirect information based on her mother's homicide. The FBI is offering a $100,000 uh, reward for information leading to the identification, arrest, and conviction of the person or persons responsible for the murder of Nicole and the disappearance of Ariana. There's a lot of skepticism as to whether rewards are actually effective because so often they only turn up false information from people who are in dire straits. And in fact, a lot of, excuse me, a lot of wrongful convictions actually happen that way because of rewards that people are incentivized to give information that's false. I think it's awesome that the, the they're offering rewards, but it makes me sad that people need a reward to do the right thing. Like, why, if you knew something, why wouldn't you say? Yeah, I was thinking about that too as I was writing. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children did a really good age progression. So you may see that picture if you're looking it up of Ariana that will be in the show notes as well for everyone listening of what she might look like at six years old. And why I'm mentioning this particular rendering of Ariana is because she would be roughly seven or seven and a half years old right now. So that's a really, really close age to where she would be now. And it's in 3D. So it looks like a photograph. This organization does a wonderful job. So I highly recommend if you don't do anything else, check the show notes for this picture. And San Francisco police also released an updated sketch with an age progressions, an updated age progression sketch in April 2021. 
So that's another one. But I just prefer the 3D one because it really shows all her features. And those sketches, like, because I've, I've looked at them for other cases, they tend to be spot on. If there's a case anyone wants to look into, the Grateful Doe is one where his sketch was spot on and it helped find who his identification. So just keep that in mind when looking at the show notes. And here's a physical description of Ariana. She is black with black hair and brown eyes. I think she's cute as a button. She reminds me of my own son. She is so cute. I was just looking up pictures of of Ariana and oh my gosh, what a cute little kid. It is so sad. And she was two feet, 45 pounds at the time of her disappearance. And she was last seen in Oakland, California in February of 2016. Anyone with information about about the homicide or with information on Ariana's whereabouts is urged to call police department's anonymous tip line at 415-575-4444 or to text a tip to tip 411 with SFPD at the start of the message. Remember, everyone, this is still an open case that needs your help. So I'm urging everyone to click the link in this episode's description to view the FBI's missing poster for Ariana. You can also go to the drunkmitter.com slash true crime. There is a chance that she is still out there and does not even know that she's missing, especially now that she is school aged. So if you're anywhere in California, if you're a teacher or, you know, you work in, with childcare, anything like that, keep your eyes open so that way we can get Ariana home to her family. I, I just have kind of a question or just like weird kind of, and two steps of empathy like was this especially hard for you because the age of ariana and your son are pretty close yes i actually wrote in the script but i took it out because i thought it was like kind of wasn't that important to the story but yes i pretty much almost didn't do this case because my son is almost two he'll be two in october and now we're filming and what like end of july so he's almost two they look very similar i don't know if if because like my because my son's biracial his dad's white i'm black but ariana to me looks mixed of some sort so she looks she reminds me of my son very very much the same big eyes the same curly hair so it broke my heart but i decided to go and do this case anyway because once I realized that there is a good chance that she's still out there and just doesn't know her real name, I just had to bring attention to this case. There's a chance that we could find her. So just keep an eye out, everyone. I would like to thank Andrea and Allison for joining me today. My name is Sophia Talley, and this was True Crime and Nicked. If you would like to know more about this week's subject, please check the show notes where I list all my sources and have photos. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.